You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys, gals, good evening. How's everybody doing? Uh, we're going to settle in here on a Thursday evening, have this out for, you know, have it, all you folks for your Friday commute. It seems to be uh, a good time that you all like to spend with Pete and I, and then obviously we get you lunch people, we get you commute home people, and for all of it, you know, we're always appreciative. Uh, going to get into your daily delivery of all things dog pound uh always for uh i never forget guys the hands-free whether it's in the car whether it's at home play podcast lockdown browns have the latest episode brought up for you so you can get to it um obviously you know guys uh you know we'll get to some of the you know stuff that's going on here and look it's it's some of it's still the media and big media and i mean national media i guess if that's what you want to call colin coward whatever um, but we're going to get into all that stuff. Pete Smith in along from the ride. Obviously, Browns Maven. Check out everything he's doing over there, guys. Uh, as, you know, continue to put out stuff. Had a good article today. I believe it was 32. Correct, Pete? 32 roster locks? Yes, 32. Because, uh, you know, I could have put long snapper on there. But everybody, you know, kicker and punter are even up for grabs. And then everybody else, all the other spots. And I, I suppose I could make it 31 and say uh, Kareem Hunt is – a lock, but sort of because he's suspended. But it was just easier to say 32. Well, exactly. I mean, his you know well, his roster spot. Granted, it's going to be the suspended list, but yes. And then there will be a long snapper, kicker, punter of some sort. Maybe if the Scottish Hammer wants to do both duties and save a roster spot, that'd be fantastic. Because punting and kicking, hopefully, we don't have to do much of anyway. If I if I was going to do it one way, I would say you get keep the punter slash kickoff guy, and you skip the kicker. Hey, why not be forward thinking? Indeed. Find the analytics analytics people on this one. Um, Guys, if you didn't see, and this is one that just drove me a little nuts, Uh, just so I say it right, Pete, Lake County captains, Lake City or Lake County captains? No, it's Lake County. Lake County captains. Jarvis Landry threw out the first ball tonight. Cool thing. He threw it out right-handed. Um. Jarvis Landry can throw a football almost about 65 yards. We have evidence of that. He was asked to throw a first pitch today. He throws it out right-handed. I make a note of it on Twitter. And my buddy over here, Pete Smith, says, I can relate. So, guys, first things first, you know, maybe Pete's going to have to soften a little bit on the stance on Jarvis Landry because they're equally weird in this respect. But Pete, explain this to me like I'm five. Well, you know, it it may just be an indication that we're both – jacked up but I, I i can't i don't know why uh, but yeah i i throw balls basically baseball tennis ball anything small you know that size or smaller with my right hand i throw football you know shoot a basketball anything larger than hand like a handheld so like a kickball soccer ball whatever uh with my left hand i write with my right hand i bat left-handed or if i you know i don't golf but if i was to golf it'd be left-handed so yeah i i i it makes no sense to me either i i I, my theory on this is ultimately that that uh my non-sports inclined parents uh basically gave me a glove put it on my left hand i sort of figured it out but they, my mom maintains that is not the case. That that was that I was naturally uh, right-handed in that respect. But yes, uh, it, it weird. I don't get it, but evidently not the only one. So Jarvis and I have that in common, and you know neither one of us is very good at receiver. I had to throw that in there. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's bizarre. 
Uh, and apparently it's the same, well, the opposite with uh, Brown's Wire editor, Jeff Risden's brother. So it apparently does happen, but to the throw right-handed, bat left-handed combination than, than this particular affliction. I'm wondering, you know, and look, and, and Pete, look, you know, you probably like me, you know, most of sports and where you were learning it is you were probably trying to emulate what you saw on television. So if it was certain players or whatever, and that's, you know, I eventually, you know, I, 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 I switch it, and part of it was because I was fast, so they would just say hit a ground ball to third base if you're batting left, there's no way they're going to get you. So that type of stuff, which I, you know, I carried over even if it's also there. If you're small, there's, and you can bunt, they're never going to work on your long ball and going deep. Oh, no, just keep bunting if you bunt perfectly it's it's all right it's okay um you know we had one neighborhood kid who was a lefty so you know we used to if we played you know if we mixed it up and it was you know four on four baseball like i was the guy that was able to wear the lefty mitt in field i couldn't throw i could catch anything because obviously you know if you're gonna you know as a left you know if you're right-handed you can catch with your right hand so i was able to catch everything with my left hand i couldn't throw anything worth a lick but yeah, no, you know, weirdos, and, and the fact that you got a little lefty in you, Pete, probably explains, probably explains a lot. The elevated intelligence and all that. Yeah, I understand. The yeah, it's the, same, it's the same way my sister-in-law kind of tries to play it off, too. And But here's the, but you said you do write, with, if you were, had to pick up a pen, it would be right-handed. Yes, I have terrible handwriting, but yes. It'd be Maybe you should write left-handed, because that is the one thing my sister-in-law has on us all. Lori's got some damn good penmanship, so... Maybe it's a then I'm dragging my hand through, and nah, I'm, I'll, I'll write terribly. This is one of the reasons I like to type, is I can actually do that. There's no handwriting involved. Oh, I admit I write like shit. I can read it. Nobody else can. And it's it's always funny, because me and my wife have to sit down. It's, it's, even that at times, <laughs> I can write stuff that I can't go back and read, and I more or less piece it together. But yeah, the, 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 the digital age is good for me. It's the less writing I have to do, other than basically signing my name. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's the best when, like, one of the kids missed a day of school and we have to write a note the next day and send it into school. And, it, I mean, it literally turns into seven to eight, you know, seven to eight copies before we finally get something freaking legible. But, obviously, guys, we'll get to a bunch more here this evening. But, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little weird when you start using it like that. And, of course, you know, Jeff with, well, I was basically every, able to do everything with either hand at six foot five. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Keep dunking on us all there, big guy. But we love you, Jeff. We do. Uh, I guess we'll start with this one, Pete. Uh, it's weird. Look, the, the, the coward thing is one thing, but it's weird, and we continue to go through this, but it's it, it's weird with, you know, Tony Grossi trying to make it, like, there was an issue yesterday, and, like, like he felt weird. That it, like, I guess he, I get in, you know, his words, well, you know, Baker kind of called me out. It didn't seem anything like that whatsoever. Um, Grossi is had you call it a run in. I mean, he started he asked started asking a question. Baker Mayfield greeted him, or you know, if you want to say it was snide, uh, but you know, at least the words were very polite. You know, you know, he said hi, Tony. You know, it's been a while. How's it going, or whatever? And then Grossi gets like. The, Baker used the right word, flustered, and oh, yeah. he asked him, "Are you flustered?" And and it got sort of a laugh, and it was a great, you know, it's a fantastic clip for people who are sort of like this. And then the next day, I guess in his media appearance, I'm assuming this was on the radio, he basically complains that he was, you know, singled out and ostracized, and that was somehow disrespectful. 
which first, that is literally all you do every day. That is your job. You single out and ostracize people. You can't <laughs> then you can't then complain that somebody points something out to you, especially when it was literally greeting you. It's not like he said, you know, gross asshole, or he like took him to task on something. All he said was hi. Uh, you know, and, and the other part is hi. How you been? It's been a while, Tony. If you are or, or you know you have the power of the pen in this, if you're a writer of any kind, you're not supposed to lose these type of arguments ever, because ultimately you always have the last word. He goes back on air tomorrow morning. Exactly. Right. It, you know, he could have just if he wanted to bash him, but now it's like you know he went to the public airwaves to you know almost like everybody should feel sorry for him. Yeah, so like, you know, if you have a column, it would be your column. If you've got, you know, media appearance like that, you've got that. You always have the last word. And yet Baker Mayfield, without even like trying, is like tap dancing all over this dude's face to the point where Tony's now complaining that, you know, basically trying to defend himself and I guess, quote, unquote, legacy. You know, Twitter, Twitter is a bunch of teenagers that don't know anything or that the, the real people respect him and all this stuff. And I got news for you. For the most part, they don't. I mean, that's the problem is there are people Ask Doug. Who, Ask Doug Lee Maurice. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of people who just, you know, if they're not going to say come out and say that, uh, you know, they'll at least basically say... I don't know what he's doing, or I don't know why he's like that. Hell, I can tell you, I've met a, fa- a guy related to Tony Grossi at a wedding who said he doesn't like Tony Grossi. So, this, you know, it's just not a good look. You first don't complain to the officials, which is effectively what he's doing. And then, if you're, if you're really going to complain about that, it's time to get out because welcome to your life. And I got, he's going to outlast you easily. The, well, hey, there's, in, in, he's going to outlast you legacy-wise. He's going to outlast you with everything he does with this team. And it talked about this, you know, you know, the sports universe of Cleveland is looking for a new king because the king screwed him over twice. And it's pretty evident who's got the crown. Um, and look, and I'll be honest, I mean, even if it was a little condescending and kind of letting everybody know in the room or, you know, all the video that was rolling... Tony's about to ask the question here, but there was your chance. You know, and if you're smart, what do you do? You spin it. Hey, I think the kid knows who the king is. I mean, there was a fun way to go about this with Tony and make yourself better. The problem is, is he has no idea. And for him to talk about Twitter, this is stuff he doesn't know anything about in how things are viewed. And if he was smart, and he would have said, ah, I don't know if anybody else was at that press conference in was asked, it's better, you know, you know, and and mentioned the way Baker addressed him. He had a chance to save face, but the problem is, is it's this is just not an era he's familiar with, comfortable with, and that's why you end up looking like a buffoon and I guess crying on the radio, whatever it is or whatever. This Tony Grossi is the guy who, at his introductory press conference, he t- said to Eric Mangini, "You're not going to get away with the shit you did in New York." He also wrote in print accusing Eric Mangini of being a spy, of which I will never forgive him because he never recanted, apologized, or anything like that. That was one of the biggest bullshit moves I've ever seen from the city. But here's the here's the other thing is Baker Mayfield not only gets himself a ton of press and everything, but he has changed the story. 
the guy who is he, he is effectively shielded Odell Beckham from criticism for that day or whatever, you know, as nonsensical as it is, is because it, is, it, 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 it means nothing. But not only that, he has made grossy whining into the story. So he has done basically a reversal, taken the story off of them, which a non-story but nevertheless being focused on, and put it on him. So he's winning on multiple fronts. But yes, this is the – you cannot be a big – this just makes him look – the bully got punched on the nose effectively and cannot take it because that – he has done some shit in his time uh, at, at covering the Browns. And to go down that hard that quickly, you know, in that spot is embarrassing. And yes, he could play it off. He could – you know, and if he wants to paint himself – as sort of the, you know, the, the, well, not even that. I mean, it's sort of the, the counterbalance to Baker Mayfield that everybody loves Baker Mayfield. I'm going to position myself as being the anti or whatever, even if it's not necessarily that, you know, Baker Mayfield is a bad guy, but I'm at least going to be the guy who's sort of holding him in check. That's where he's now, you know, made it very hard for himself to maintain any credibility on that. I'm genuinely curious how people who have you know are the people who when you mention something will you know despite everything still be like he's been here this many years and he's one of the best or he holds people account i'm genuinely curious how those people sort of come back to this and be like how, how do they view it are, are there people who are like "Ooh, i had respect for you before and are like that or you know no big deal it's whatever uh uh, that's the part that, that that is curious for me. But for people who are already enjoy Baker Mayfield or already have a general distaste to Grossi, this does nothing but endear them to that point of view. And it, it's genuinely going to be fascinating how to watch this continue to to unfold because I you know the 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 ESPN Cleveland people have no room to cry. This is the radio station that took that, uh, what's her face, Sabrina, put her on there. Yep. Made all kind of salacious accusations against Jabril Peppers that nobody could back up. And and they put her on the air knowing she was a loaded gun in that respect. That was the point. And they they respond by, you know, firing her and all this. But they knew exactly what was going to happen. They took no real responsibility. And this isn't their first time doing this type of nonsense but they have an ugly relationship or should with the browns anyway outside of the fact that cbd is on that station uh i i don't know you know where that that goes but you know when, to me if 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 i was you know jabril pepper's agent you know that agency i would have sued them immediately uh but that is that is sort of the history of that. It's just not a good look, and, and I'm curious to see where it goes. With Cowherd, it's what it's a bit. It's it's a bit, and he can stick the bit all he wants. But and and, and he'll 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 get paid. And, and I guess uh, Will Kane was another one of these that was, you know, trying to make Odell Beckham into a bad guy and said that Freddie Kitchens needs to set a standard uh, in regards to this in terms of uh, the behavior of Odell Beckham for not being there every single day of OTAs. Uh, <laughs> you know, like a guy like Marshall Yanda hasn't been doing OTA in five years. So, you know, this is, it's genuinely insane. But, you know, again, there are people who are, who are using this to draw attention to themselves and it's working. 
and you know, we'll see how long this keeps going. But it genuinely feels like. Even, you know, the media who doesn't care necessarily at least has to make a note of this every day, whether he's there or he's not there. And and that's the thing. And and, and just play it as it is. And, you know, you say, look, you know, not here today. And reminder, it's a voluntary workout and not in the building today, not participating today. So-and-so, 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 so-and-so. It's not to, you know, take it as a grudge. It's, you know, you're reporting the news as it comes. And if it was just that, that'd be fine. But reporting it and trying to get your shots in at the same time, and you see the pattern. Um, you know, obviously Baker, he wasn't cool with Baker from day one. Well, I mean, this is obviously Tony uh, Odell wasn't cool with him. You know, it's but you've got to adapt to what you are covering, and that's part of it. And he probably doesn't realize how bad he gets dragged on social media, which, whatever. I mean. But it should. But the thing is, is you are the reporter. It should never be about you. It should be about them. And and through it now, and back in the day, you know, you could take all the shots you wanted at players, and they really had no way to get back at you. But this is where social media changes everything. They have every opportunity to get back at you. And the problem now is, is you're playing. You know, it's a game where you ha- you don't know how to do it. You can't compete because these kids have all grown up with it. They know how to do it. Um, so it's just, I mean, it's laughable at that. Um, imagine imagine if Tony Grossi tried to cover Bill Parcells. <laughs> like that, that, that's, get that's, out. He would get thrown out. That's just, This is what, you know, this is what immediately came to mind when he's crying fouls. Imagine... Asking a stupid question, or, or or what Bill Parcells felt was a stupid question, or just was an excuse for him to sort of remind people where he felt he was and where he felt everybody else was, or Bob Knight or any of those guys who you know would use that, uh, you know that 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 platform to just crush people. College coaches now do this all the time, and you know Jim Beheim's a great example of a guy who will just crush media control, the story Nick Saban. He's like, I'm, you know, Grossi's the guy who was pushing for Nick Saban. Nick Saban would have chewed him up and spit him out. Yep. And yet he's complaining because a player greeted him and is calling that singling out and is disrespectful. Like, get out of here. And I, it was years ago. And I, I remember, and this is, this is the one I remember of reporter-wise. And it was uh, Mike Martz was head coach of the L.A. Rams. Uh, I think they had Steven Jackson at the time. They drafted... PD, you know, we're going back a little bit here in time. Trunk candidate was running back at Arizona. Yeah. No, but here was the thing. So the what the guy gets up there to the presser afterwards, and he's like, "Well, I noticed today you had some sets where you had Stephen Jackson and Trunk candidate on the field at the same time." Mike Martz went postal. He's like, "Well, thanks for telling everybody some things that we're trying to do." And this was guys, this was well before Twitter. Thanks for putting out there now where people are going to find out what's going on. And he just absolutely lost it on him. And they looked to, you know, Mike Martz looked to, you know, I guess whatever, you know, Rams advisor was there to the side. And he's like, this is why I don't want these people in any of these things. They don't know what they're doing. And it was just, it was just epic. And I'm sure whoever that poor schlep was, writer-wise, that was probably the last day he ever saw anything St. Louis Rams-wise. Uh, so, but the thing is, is it's if you are a reporter, it's, it's never about you. It's always about the players and... And and just not understanding what you're covering when there's a probably I don't even know how the hell old he is I'm figuring what it's got to be a minimum forty year age, you know age gap 
where he is just lost in trying to keep up with this. Um, we'll, we'll get to the coward stuff here in a second, but um, guys, everybody loves when it's Blue Chew Night, so it's Blue Chew Night. Uh, Pete, floor is yours. Look, when the first thing you 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 think of when you are reading another bland story about Beckham's attendance, you uh, your uh, your fella does the same thing that oftentimes is happening in the bedroom. It's just not where it's supposed to be. You want to be excited. Uh, you want to read about all the good things happening with the Browns. Be at attention, so to speak. Uh, blue Chew. Blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you that first chewable with the FDA-approved active ingredient is Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. You can take it anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast. As a pill, so you can be ready whenever you want, ever the opportunity arises, and eventually that may happen with Mrs. Lloyd. Uh, but <laughs> bottom line is, do do better than than what you're getting in terms of reporting. Do do yourself right in the same way you want to. You listen to this podcast because you want to do better. Do better for the spouse. So the spouse, help him out. Do better. Help him do better for you. Go ahead and get Blue Chew, and whatever the promo code is. Uh, which Jeff will fill you on here. Do the right thing. The promo code would be locked on. Um, but the point is, is always be willing to take the speaking shot. Speaking of adapting. Oh. Sp- sp- like speaking of adapting to the uh, the ever-changing the environment. Yes. Blue chew it up. Absolutely. The promo code locked on. And thank you to the good folks over at Blue Chew for sponsoring Locked On Rounds. Now, the Colin Coward thing today, uh, you know, and this is great from the Odell standpoint, is Odell, you know, in this is, in, I don't want to hear about, oh, why are these athletes getting, no, you're, you're, if you're going out of your way to blast these people, you've got to deal with the repercussions, you do. So, Odell Beckham puts out a tweet with text messages from Colin Coward, the night Odell was traded from New York to Cleveland, wishing him all the best. He's excited for him. He's rooting for him. And then today he does some stupid-ass gambit crap on his show. Odell's top ten moments, da 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 And, you know, and then all of a sudden, Odell fires back. And, which you should, because here's, you know, first things first, Colin Coward has nothing to do Cleveland-wise. He's a national reporter. And, and Pete is 100% right. It's a shtick. It's a, you know, where can I fit in my five to ten minutes of, you know, poking at the Browns today? You know, Odell fires back. And this is the thing now that Pete brought up earlier with Tony with Baker is, Baker may be pretty close to the smallest dude in that locker room. But Baker's going to be the first dude to, you know, if there's a firing squad, Baker's going to be the first dude to stand in front for everybody else. And A, this is what you want in your franchise quarterback. B, this is what you need in your franchise quarterback. This is this is what just confirms forever and ever that you drafted the right dude, John Dorsey. Cough clap. You drafted the right dude because he doesn't want to see any of his guys get messed with. And I remember this, Pete. This was uh, the week uh, the Rose Bowl when they played Georgia. You know, obviously, you know, Baker ended up losing. And apparently he was sick as a dog most of the week leading into the game. And then he finally showed up to, you know, to do a presser and, you know, get in front of everybody. And, you know, they all asked him, oh, if you're not feeling so well, why are you here? And he's like, well, I'm the quarterback of this team. This is my job. You shouldn't be asking other people about me. 
this is me. I'm the quarterback of this team. You know, I'm the guy you talk to with these things. You shouldn't have to ask questions of other players on this team about me. And that, you know, that, that maybe should have been the sign then. Probably should have been. Uh, and you just love to see it. But, you know, they just – and I don't care. I, I don't care. Like, if you're going to – if you if someone's famous, you're going to attack them and they clap back, then you got to deal with what you just threw out there. And that's on you for trying to spin it or use it for your own personal agenda. But deal with the backlash because you don't want to know what – we're in an age now where it's – and I remember years ago uh, – I mean, not so far long ago, but James Harrison, when he was in that little bit of – being, uh, you know, he was in limbo, retired, and, you know, uh, Roger Goodell was under the fire, and, you know, obviously some things going on with him with, you know, Roger's not the cleanest guy going on, and James Harrison put out the tweet and added Roger Goodell was, it ain't no fun when the rabbits got the gun, and that's where it's at now, because now, in this day and age, the players, and as Pete said earlier, you know, the writer used to be able to get the last word, it ain't that way anymore with social media and all this other stuff that goes on. You know, so if you're going to give it, you, you certainly better be ready to get it. And you know, and coward, you know, and and there's some fans. Oh, well, they just need to stop engaging with them. Not, not, well, I mean, not what really? Do you want somebody pissing on the person you are, the career or legacy that you are? Look, some people just aren't wired that way. I know I'm not. <laughs> I have no way in hell. Uh, well, like like I, I think it was yesterday. The the big thing is Baker Mayfield responds when he feels misrepresented uh, that is his thing and odell beckham the same thing so far uh when guys feel like they are misrepresented that's when they come firing uh you tell him he's bad whatever he doesn't really you know i mean certain times baker mayfield has come back and basically you know rubbed it in their face which is fine but in general you know if you if you're saying bad or you don't think they're going to be very good or whatever. He, he sort of stores that away as, you know, fuel for the fire. But in general, when you, again, if you misrepresent, misrepresent him, he will fire back and you're going to hear from him. And that's, you know, that's every time with Cowherd, that's been the deal. Uh, it's been him feeling misrepresented. And the initial time when he sort of started doing it after Baker was on the show, he may have felt, you know, not even misrepresented at that point, more along the lines of basically like this dude's just an, a clown and felt like, you know, get, getting that off his chest. But in general, you misrepresent Baker Mayfield in his view. He's going to come back and find a way to, you know, hit back or whatever. And in this case, you know, Colin Cowherd is one of those who's actually good at getting the last word. He, you know, unlike Grossi, you know, Colin Cowherd will keep talking and keep talking. and basically that axe. Yeah, he, well, he'll do that and he'll just outlast you by the fact, virtue he's got three hours a day. And if you're a player, you know, you're, you're going to go on with your life and he's always going to have more at-bats, so to speak. But in, you know, in this particular case... You know, whatever is said by either side, well, really, like a prince in person and just one of the nicest people ever and then sort of goes into Colin Cowherd, the character, uh, you know, it's like Stephen Colbert in some respects. Right. That you are a caricature of this thing and you're doing that to to get attention to do your job. You know, so 
it's uh, like I didn't know about this till you told me. That's how much I don't pay attention to this whole thing. I sort of ignore him. Uh, the the I always see the grocery stuff because somebody will either directly link it to us or uh, <laughs> thank you, or, or I've seen it retweeted or something along those lines. Uh, but it, you know, it, the the cow herd to me is 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 to the point now where. For the most, I mean, there are still people who some people who pay attention. I, I think people are getting better at li- sort of understanding what he is and just sort of let him do what he does because it doesn't matter. But whenever you know Mayfield or in this case Beckham, uh, who's already sort of a, a polarizing thing despite not doing anything to deserve it at least so far, uh, this is this is you know you respond that becomes that becomes the story. So it's whatever. And I think part of it might also be like, look, bro, if this is how you're getting your kicks off or whatever, and you're making your money this way, whatever. All right, we'll feed into it for you. And uh, but you know, it's going to be really interesting when it gets to the point where it's, wow, the you know Browns have a huge playoff game this weekend. Is there any way I could get some front, somebody from the Browns on the show this week? And that's where you know that's where it's gonna you're gonna wonder how it plays out. Uh, just report it, and look. I mean, if it's bad, report it that way. But the trying to take personal shots and make something into a story that it is not—it's just foolish. And a lot of time with that type of stuff, you end up on the wrong side, especially with the media now. It's—it's it's just the way the game is these days. Uh, we do have some good listener questions here this evening, so we're going to dive into that. Um, Paul Spencer. Paul, I love you. Uh, I'll be honest. I do not know the flavor of Blue Chew and whether or not they have an evergreen, uh, a wintergreen. Um, Paul, if you need it, it's fine. Go ahead. Take your at-bats. Um, if you want me to reach out to the good folks at Blue Chew, we'll do that. I'm assuming if it's blue, it's probably going to be that blue minty green type of thing. Just to, I guess, that's what I'm going with there. Um, first question here from at Browns underscore dog. I feel like there's JC and Joel definitely on the old line, but who, if any, of the new additions on this line has a chance to crack the starting lineup, make an impact, staying with the line, Greg Robinson, or equals what we saw from last year. Um, as far as Greg Robinson, I guess Pete, the with Greg Robinson, and I guess we'll start with that part of it is Greg Robinson. You're hoping at the absolute worst, you got the same Greg Robinson that you got in 2018. Yeah, that's, you know, if he provides what he did last year, that's fine. I actually think he will be better uh, by virtue of the fact it's a contract year. Uh, you know, if he's going to get, you know, one big, one last big contract or one another big contract, uh, this is where it all comes down to. And, and he, he did put some things together last year that were positive, And so he has every reason to be more confident and keep building on what he's done. Obviously they've got what we'd like to think is a better offensive line coach, which should help. Uh, I think he will be great. But the answer to the question is, uh, I mean, it, 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 Kendall lamb is the biggest threat to start. I think, um, over, over Chris Hubbard that, you know, that's not to say that it's guaranteed or anything, but I think he's got the best chance. Uh, I have got the better, he's got the better body and yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, he should be a little bit stouter. Um, you know, Austin Corbett, I I think is going to win that job, uh, pretty easily. Um, 
I think Cush is more of a genuine, generalized backup. That's not to say the Browns would be screwed if he had to play. I just think Corbett will win that job. And I then, think I think Cush was he was your next guy in the interior. It was like all right, well, if Austin's now going to start, we don't have a guy to play yeah, in three spots 100%. in the interior. So uh, you know, beyond that, you know, I think I think Corbett is the going to be the starter there. So Kendall Lamb to me is the biggest threat. Uh, and, and ultimately whether it's, you know, this year or next year, I think he's going to be a starter eventually uh, unless, you know, they strike gold with one of those very young or very uh, late drafted or undrafted rookies. I, I just, because of the competition they faced, I've really hard time seeing them being up to speed that quickly. But they, you know, Finian Ganofo and uh, Finian Ganofo. It's just Finian Ganofo. <laughs> uh, We're gonna. And then, this is gonna be murder for us. Uh, and then uh, Drew Forbes. I, I, I think it's gonna take a year at least, uh, and that's you know, the, the, certainly I think they will benefit immensely from getting to go up against some very talented players. Like if they get. You know, if they get to play second team versus first team defense and those guys are in there and they have to adjust to Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon, potentially, um, they're going to have to get good fast uh, to be able to do that. But at the same, like I said, I think it's more of a, a year two and maybe one of the one or both of those guys is ready to sort of step in. I'm still anticipating they're going to need to draft at least one uh, offensive tackle very early in the draft. And I got no issue with that. That's perfectly reasonable but yeah so Kendall Lamb is the is my guy for most likely to take a job which makes for an interesting interesting scenario because if Chris Hubbard's not going to start and somebody comes calling that's too expensive he 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 makes like 10.3 like if you if you move him it it goes from like 8.2 million to 10.3 he's safe this year it's next year where I think they will try to move him and, and the other part of that is, you know, be, by virtue of the fact it's more expensive to move him than to keep him, uh, you know, they, they're, I don't think they're going to be upset about the idea of having, you know, that kind of depth for a year uh, in, in the case of an injury or whatever. It, you know, at that point, whoever doesn't win that job will be the swing guy and they'll have some really good depth for a year and then they'll sort of have to replace and try to upgrade. Well, and yet also have the advantage of you're not playing a franchise tackle ten million plus this year. So yeah, that's I mean that's some cost savings potentially, unless you know you know they they finish worse than expected, and you know that that rookie deal is a little bit more expensive by being by virtue of being higher in the first round. Yep. But uh, no, they, they, that should be an area where they can save some money, and, and Hubbard should be an area where they can save some money. Yeah, uh, and with Greg, it'll be funny because if you talked about Greg Robinson about a calendar year ago. I mean, he was a you know he was an LOL draft br- no, but LOL he was an LOL draft bus. But yep. if if he can go out there and put together a solid season, I mean, Greg Robinson's going to be you know you know somewhere of making sixty million dollars guarantee. You know, he'll have sixty million dollars from playing NFL football, and it's just crazy how so much of a story of a guy's career can change. And, you know, I mean, God bless him. I mean, he's put in the work, and, you know, obviously, you know, it should have never came out of Auburn as early as he did because he, you know, there was, you know, sometimes you don't know until you know, and Greg Robinson was a prime, prime example of that. But, I mean, this can shift for him and can shift quickly. Um, From uh, at Gubes, G-U-B-E-S, Cleve, 
Um, do you think we carry a fullback or H-back? Thoughts on uh, Trayvon uh, Gray from, obviously, the undrafted kid from Miami who came in as a tryout guy, but he's going to stick around for camp. Or, or Orson Charles. Me, Pete, I think you keep Orson Charles around. I mean, until you can't, you don't have the room for guys like Orson Charles, he's a guy you kind of want around. It's, you know, I mean, he, he, to say the dude that does the dirty work, he's a prime example of that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the thing with Gray is, you know, there are some talk of, you know, he's a good athlete. Um, his injuries kind of cost him his chance of running the ball in his days at the U. So maybe if you had to give him the ball in a couple of pinches, he could do that. But when you get down to it, sometimes you just need some guys to do the dirty work. And that's where Orson Charles, for me, yeah, as long as everything works out and he can maintain his health, which has always been kind of been a key with him, I'd like to keep Orson Charles around. Um, so Orson Charles is, you know, a psychotic guy on uh, Sundays. Uh, he's a guy who's, you know, loud, you know, is, seven is at, Red Bulls before the kickoff. <laughs> well, he he's a guy who, you know, if there's going to be a fight, he's probably going to be in the middle of it. Uh, but he also has a method to his madness in terms of his, you know, that that just crazy energy in terms of trying to, you know, keep guys fired up, keep those guys, you know, with the right mindset, which is good. Uh, Gray is a really good athlete in running the 40. Everything else is a dumpster fire. Um, but nevertheless, if you're a 240-pound guy who can run a 4.5, um, and you prove that you're willing to stick your nose in there effectively and get the job done, you absolutely got a shot. And if you can find ways to sort of, you know, get the ball in his hands where he can put that speed on uh, on display and maybe, it, you know, he wasn't as healthy as you, you know, you'd want him to be when he tested and maybe there's a little bit of athletic upside, but his agility is dreadful, like worse than most of our offensive linemen. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's worth a shot, but the other thing, and, and, and I'm not suggesting there's a guy on the roster that can do it right now. Cause I don't know, but like they had devolve play fullback, yep. uh, in, in spots. And if there's like an eight back out there that Denver game, I remember is when he took over, right? Yes. Well, yeah. So if there's a guy out there that could be sort of that H back, you know, obviously Demetrius Harris is too goddamn tall for that. Oh, yeah. Uh, but if they find a guy who can do a little bit of those things, you know, I I would kill to have Dan Vitale back, but that's me. Uh, I, I missed the super back. But, yeah, I mean, if, hey, if, Mark if Schofield favorite. Yeah, if you can find a guy that can do some more things, then, I, you know, th- those are certainly the guys that I have in camp. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you could turn the roster and try to keep bringing in dudes. But I, I, I if I'm guessing right now, I would say – It'll be it'll be the vet. They'll keep him. It's one of the only guys they actually brought back post Hugh Jackson that was here pre post uh, pre Hugh Jackson. So that's kind of an interesting twist with this. It's not like it's a guy they signed, uh, you know, or let go by virtue of the fact he was a Hugh Jackson guy. They actually did bring him back. So that may help his case that he does have some use. I don't know if he's all that great of a fullback though. Is the thing, but he does have those other things that are useful. And, you know, every now and then when you're talking about the last four or five guys to the roster, you know, you, you just want something that you can trust. And and that's kind of it with Orson Charles. And it was a great point that you said if there's a fight, he's in the middle of it, which he maybe either may have started with his mouth or his play. Uh, but, yeah, you know, a guy like Orson Charles, you know, you know what he is. He's safe. Sometimes it's okay to have a couple safe guys at the end of the roster iTunes, rating reviews, guys. Um, always keep those coming. Uh, head on over to iTunes. That's where you listen. Drop a five-star. Drop a written review. 
continue to tell everybody how hard Pete and I are continuing to work and you know put out the content that we're doing for you guys day in day out. Uh, next question here from Mike Inner. Uh, Mike, see the problem, and you know, uh, at Mike Skinner, uh, when does grilling season start for me? It's not a problem. Yes, I love, I love cooking. The problem is right now soccer season. I'm way deep, and with between the two teams, it pretty much takes up my Wednesdays through Sundays. So uh, it's about mid to late June. We'll get back, and you'll get the nice pictures of the food and all that good stuff, which I truly enjoy, and it's definitely a zen thing for me. And mm-hmm. I have a theory on that. What's that theory? Ever that you are scarred from a oh here we go very unhappy set of guests that had to suffer through that salty, dry ass Easter ham, and there, it has not been a no, return. No, see, because when you douse it in orange and pineapple juice, it takes away from the salty taste, here's my the, friend. Here's the, here's the key evidence here. Ham, Easter, no grilling sense. Uh, you fill in the blanks here, everybody. <laughs> I know where I'm going is that there were some very unhappy guests, and perhaps the pride is a little hurt. And he's not re- hasn't been ready to get on get back on the horse. And and the soccer is a convenient excuse. The weather <laughs> has been a convenient excuse. But you know, just like with uh, you know the blue chew stuff, he's just not where he should be. And and that's unfortunate. Uh, again, he got this is getting too close to the sun of wings made of ham, and should <laughs> really get back to better meats and and sort of build up his confidence again. Ah, so there's that. Um, oh, Pete would eat the whole stinking ham. That's the worst part. Do you eat bacon? Sure. Okay. Not not as often because yeah, well that you know you're getting older and I don't want to die. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's it's you know it's literally the like one of the worst things you can eat in terms of like it's not like it's not bad in terms of like nutrients and stuff like that, but it's bad in the fact that like eating food cooked like that is terrible for you. Yeah, there is that whole thing. But, uh, yes, smoked ham peat tastes like bacon, so it's good. And, of course, we would never, ever get through an episode without, uh, quote-unquote, whether, you know, maybe our intern producer, but uh, Giovanni Ruiz, and he's fantastic. Um, He may have actually set up a uh, guest opportunity, which I'm thankful for. Thank you for that, Gio. I appreciate it, dude. You know that. Um, He's got a two-parter here, which is interesting. With the next C- when the next CBA comes, will the PED part of it be relaxed if a guy has a legit medical issue? And this is interesting, Pete, because look, I mean, if you see a doctor and they tell you you got to take Adderall, this comes a really, really difficult gray area. Because I mean, if you're you know the employer, which is you know the NFL team. And this is your employee, and this is what he needs to successfully do his job. It becomes really, really difficult. And if a doctor says, "Player, you know, look, as long as it's not Anabol, Pete, or you know, stuff of that nature," but if there's something these guys need to take, it becomes a really, really tough spot. And you get now, you know, what HEPA laws and all that crap or whatever. It's a Guys, which is also what makes this next CBA a very, very difficult one, and which we've tried to tell you about a couple of times here, 
And this and stuff like this, and this is a great question in this part, Geo. This is part of it. Why of it? Uh, so the, the, there's there's a couple of problems on this front, and and HIPAA is the big reason for it. Is there is not enough transparency in this whole process. So too often you're getting so so a player was suspended uh, for for violating the PED thing, and then you'll get reportedly or from his side it was insert substance that's probably more tame than what may could I should say. Could be more tame than maybe what they really took. Um, that's part of the problem, uh, and, and you you you're never going to be able to get through that. I, I I don't see a chance of the players ever sign off to basically giving away that you know their rights in that part. That would be insane. And I don't even know if that's illegal. Um, but that's that's part of the problem. The PD policy is always going to be sh- a struggle. Because you, you you don't get enough information, and so everything is sort of thrown under PEDs, uh, and, and there's obviously varying degrees. And you mentioned it, you know, if you're, you know, anabolic steroids and you know, reindeer antler or whatever the hell it was versus Adderall versus you know something that was in, you know, ADHD uh, medicine. Yeah, whatever it is, uh, and you know, it, it, it becomes a who do you believe type thing in terms of player X, you know, failed test for this agent says, you know, he has a prescription and all. The NFL comes back and says, uh, you know, he does, you know, he is okay to take this thing. Then again, you really don't get that, and again, they can't really communicate too much of that because uh that again you get into that whole situation uh what was the question as far as the cba part of it goes the the next negotiated cba I'm sorry, Pete. The uh, also in the next CBA, do you think the players will give up the where OTAs will no longer become voluntary, and maybe this will be where the players show up, and if they don't really want to work out, you know, the staff says stick around. Is there something they would give up for that? I mean, the answer is no. Uh, I do think there is. I do think there is. If they can somehow say that marijuana testing, CBD. All this stuff is now off the table. And look, there's still ways to disguise this within your team. The team can say, no, well, you know, Odell Beckham's not playing, to, not participating today because the hamstring was a little cranky. But, and I'm not putting Odell into the marijuana CBD, but you see this, and it came out again today with Calvin Johnson. Every one of these players, once they're done, and Calvin Johnson needed this to get through Dancing with the Stars, which apparently is pretty grueling. I have no idea. I don't really watch the show. But apparently it's pretty grueling. And he said there was no way he would have gotten through it without CBD oil rubbing it on his lower extremities. To if that, was, if that was taken off the table by the league, I think you would get the players to – I think you would get – the players would be a lot more friendly about the things the leagues are trying to do. 
I, I first, I, they, I, I, I see no way they will ever give up the voluntary OTAs. Regardless, uh, if anything, they would be more. Well, the players to... hold all the cards. <laughs> We're well, the product. And, and, We're the product. Agents, agents aren't going to do that. Uh, and then the other part of that is, if the players are going to do anything, it would be to put in more practice time uh, during two days and stuff like or training camp. Uh, because they want to make sure they are actually physically ready, and you know the argument being that you know that they 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 actually have gone too far and not allowed for enough contact, they'd be far more likely to do that. No, my assu- my my assumption is that when the NFL stops testing for marijuana, it's not going to be announced. It will just be they will just stop testing. Um, they will do effect. Look, look at the NBA and look at Major League Baseball. They never get anybody for this stuff because they don't test for it. They're not going to tell you they don't test for it. They don't want to know. They don't need to know. Uh, that's where the NFL goes. They're just going to stop testing that stuff and just test the other stuff. And Maybe it will be more of the legalization. I mean, once you get to maybe 50% of the states in the United States, I guess, I'm guessing here, I don't know how many states is legal in but maybe once they get to a certain percentage, it'll just be okay, you know. I, and maybe that's the best way to do it. In look, it's but you can't ignore it. No, nah, because you, look, if they if they if they announced that marijuana was legal in all fifty states tomorrow, and and from a national standpoint, you still wouldn't be able to. You'd still have to pass until the there test. was oh, until there was a new CBA put in place. Absolutely. Well, no, but I would say you know. If you want to teach or you want to do any number of jobs, you're still going to have to pass a drug test. They're still not going to say that's okay, uh, and, and 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 that's sort of the deal. In the same way that you know you're suspicious of suspicion with alcohol, you're going to take a test, and and there's penalties with that. You can't obviously can't show up drunk to work. Well, theoretically, anyway. Um, so, God damn you know, it, Pete! Let I, me live I, my life how I live it. So anyway, my again, I, I think this ultimately they will never, uh, or if they if they'd be really stupid to do it this way. Don't they will never just say we're not going to test for this anymore, or we're we're okay with it. They will just stop testing. They won't mention it, and you'll just stop seeing guys test positive for it. That's the easiest way to do it. As what every other sport has done, the NBA does. Has they have they ever had somebody test positive for marijuana? Like major unless league baseball doesn't caught. deal with that. Unless they got caught. <laughs> yeah, unless you're literally smoking it at the time on yeah. camera, there is no. That is where this goes, and and I'm sure the NFL will try to use this as you know leverage to get something, and they may ultimately do it. Uh, so that's 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 how that goes. At least in my theory, I, again, they just stop testing. And the voluntary part of that, we'll see how this goes. But even still, though, you know, every second you're on the field, and, and this is the problem. And and it, 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 it look, it, it, and it does matter when it's not a game. Every second you're on the field, there's the possibility it could be the last second you're on the field. So you know, whether it's late April, whether it's May, there's going to be these guys and especially guys and this is the thing you know because obviously this is always geared with Odell is do you want to break an ankle on May 15th or May 16th you know if you break an ankle in September October November December whatever that you know 
you got hurt essentially, you know, quote unquote, not to disrespect any troop anywhere, you got hurt within the line of fire. So that's where it becomes so so difficult, and it's it, it, it's tough, and it is. Um, but you know, as as far as the you know the marijuana and the players, Kyle Turley, uh, former NFL tackle, go check him out on Twitter. He is a huge proponent of it. Now you got you know now Kyle is probably closer to my age. You have guys like Calvin Johnson now who's been out of the league for a couple of years and speaks on it, and now maybe looking to get into the business side of it because he well, thinks. Thank you, or, uh... What's his face? Mike uh, Mike Tyson is into yep. weed. Dee Williams is into weed. Calvin uh, Johnson's about to get into it in Michigan. I mean, this is... But the, the thing is, the NFL has been unwilling to even consider the medical benefits of any of the stuff. Or is a way to avoid... They're still in 1960 thinking. That's the problem. I guess. I, I But, you know, if they, 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 that's the part that bothers me is if they want to take a sort of a more progressive attitude with this is they have real issues with painkillers and Toradol in particular. That's the problem I have. You know, here, here's 100 pain pills. Can I just go home and smoke a joint and go to bed? No, you can't do that. Yeah, that's, but that's by all the, means, pop six pills before you go to bed. That's the bigger concern is you're going to have – uh, too many. You have too many situations with that where, you know, that is the issue. It's and, weeds and, a gateway and, drug. And that, but I just hand you hundred painkillers. The, the problem is then you you know, and this gets into a sort of a political thing. It becomes uh, there are lobbying efforts to obviously, you know, from those uh, interests to keep those things in there as opposed to being open minded with this uh, type of research stuff. But you know, to to the overall point, I think it's better for their workforce and sustainability of their league, which they should always be interested in, to do a serious consideration with that, find out, and if it is better, embrace it and, and you know, take the lead on something as opposed to dragging ass, uh, you know, like you do on everything else. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, we could go on it from this aspect of it, you know, in political-wise. But we're not going to do that here, guys. We're not going to do that here. But, uh, you know, look, I mean, there's there's always a give and a get, and we'll see how it works out. And, guys, yes, we, we, we've told this, you know, whether it was with Stephen Thomas or was with Pete, obviously, it's going to be really interesting, this next CBA negotiations, because everybody loves the money, and the money's always at stake, but there are demands here that people want to be involved and, you know, that serious issues that people want to have met. And it's going to be a hell of a ride. That's all I can say about that. Um, he's working over at Browns Maven, guys. Uh, obviously, you know, he's putting out stuff here. He's got an article up on your 32 locks to make the Browns roster. I guess we would say 31 with an asterisk if you're including, you know, Kareem Hunt, Pete, I guess, right? Uh, make sure you're following Pete at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Uh, the show, the Lockdown Browns Twitter account, we always keep it followed back. I appreciate it. Um, and it's the best way for you guys to get to me for anything you guys have. And obviously for some of you who... Enjoy listening to the show, but aren't very big on social media. It's a great way for you guys to go ahead and send me direct messages, anything you want answered, or any ideas, suggestions you have, which I'm totally cool with. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. We got through, obviously, you know, with the media side of it. We got some listener questions in here. And just, you know, always a good time just breaking bread with the fam, as always. So, with that, LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.